freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode number 211 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Today's show is Educate Your Vote. Our guest today is Daniel McCarthy. Daniel is a constitutional conservative candidate for U.S. Senator from Arizona in 2020. Daniel is an entrepreneur and a businessman. He is a husband and a father, and he is an example of a citizen who is stepping up to run for office in order to protect and defend the constitutional values of freedom and liberty. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you guys very much for having me. Absolutely. This is exciting. We were just chatting off air about how we keep uh, bumping into each other and having, you know, brief, you know, like meeting each other again. So this is exciting uh, to have this time to just kind of sit down and dive into some of these questions. And Daniel was just reminding me that uh, he and I actually made our picture, made it all the way to the other coast. What, where are we featured? The New York Times uh, ran a, when you and I, the first meeting you and I had, uh, in, it was just a quick introduction to each other, and the New York Times was there, they snapped some pictures of you and I, and, and you didn't even know it, but we were, um, we were on the New York, glad handing in the New York Times, you and I were. I absolutely love it. And, you know, it goes along so much with my polka dots or my camo. It's like yes. nobody yeah. glancing at that picture would ever know. It's like, oh, she's one of those gun people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was very excited to meet you and I'm very excited to be on your show. Uh, and I got to tell you that you have an, an unbelievable reputation as a freedom fighter. And this is something for me is it's an honor to speak to individuals like yourself that have been engaged the way you have been in the fight for as long as you have. Thank you so much for that. Honestly, it is a, a blessing that I have the opportunity in this day and age. It gives us this opportunity that we can be sitting all the way across the country from each other, or right now we're just across the state and be able to speak into these microphones. And what we say here encourages people all over the planet. It's, yes. it's amazing. So thank you for that and, and for, what, for what you are doing. Um, and as I mentioned, we do have a nationwide, we have a worldwide audience, actually. So tell us about the campaign sure. and the election field here in Arizona, because really what happens in one state truly impacts everywhere. Um, and who are you competing with and what are the main issues in your district? So, yeah, I've been a donor for the Republican Party for individuals that were outsider candidates for, frankly, for my entire adulthood. I've been active behind the scenes trying to find good candidates. Um, politics is kind of in my blood because my mother ran for office when I was young. She ran for city council. She was the first woman city councilwoman. And the reason I bring that up is because when I was eight years old, um, I decided I'd never be a politician ever. And so uh, this, was, this was a literal last resort for me. And it's because of the significance of this race. Um, my background is a business background. So all I've ever done is I've been very blessed by this country where my wife and I have been able to have huge success in business. Uh, we've brought in tens of millions of dollars from around the world into Arizona. And uh, so my business background ranges from cosmetics to uh, real estate. Our real estate company did a billion dollars last year in sales. I, I, I love business and I, and I love everything about it. So why did I stop my life and, and start advocating as a candidate and go on the front line like this was because it was absolutely necessary. This Senate race is now the most important Senate race in the country because uh, we had John McCain 
that was sitting in this seat for many, many years. And um, the machine uh, painted John McCain as this hero, and um, they made John McCain look like something that he actually wasn't. And the reason that was, it was because there was an agenda uh, moving forward behind the scenes. And now we're seeing that agenda kind of surfacing all across this country, which I'm sure we'll have time to get into that. But uh, I looked at this race nine months ago when, my, when I made the decision to get in. I, I realized that if I wouldn't get in, we were about to lose another Senate seat because the, the current senator was appointed. Uh, she was appointed after she lost. The reason she lost was because she was rejected by the conservatives. She has a very liberal voting record. Uh, so when they appointed Martha, uh, who is the Republican candidate that I'm in the primary against, when they appointed Martha, we realized very quickly that she was kind of a sacrificial person to lose because they want to turn this state royal blue. And the gentleman that is, uh, I, I say that very condescendingly, by the way, the gentleman, uh, the guy that's on the left is a gun-grabbing leftist maniac, okay? Mark Kelly, we will say his name, Mark uh, you Kelly. Can, yeah, you can, I call him Marxist Kelly uh, because <laughs> the, the, the thing is, this guy is the most dangerous uh, form of representation that we've had because he is designed to look like an independent. He's designed to look like he's uh, competent. He's He's got the American kind of seal because he was an astronaut, et cetera. So I knew we had to put our very best uh, up uh, past the Republican primary. So it's just Martha and I on the primary. Uh, she will not debate me, of course. She will not show her face because she knows that uh, we provide a much better option for Arizonans. And the moment in time that we win this primary, uh, his money, his Bloomberg money will dry up because it'll be like Arizona collectively saying, hey, uh, there is no gun-grabbing agenda that's going to make it here in Arizona. Those That doesn't work here. You, not This isn't California. This this is Arizona. That is so um, interesting, the the way that you've uh, said that, that Mark Kelly is um, being packaged or, or whatever that phrasing was you used as an independent, and he's suddenly gone completely mum about the whole idea that, he is an anti-gun, anti-rights uh, candidate. And uh, I was talking to uh, an author, uh, who was it the other day? And he said, well, all you got to do is go back and read Mark Kelly's book. It's all laid out there. Mark Kelly wrote a book. It's just sitting there waiting for you to look at. And I was like, I actually didn't know Mark Kelly wrote a book, but I do now. And I try to mention it on my show as much as I possibly can. I need to go look up the title so I can let people really you know, go find that. Yes, that. yes. Digest yes. that. This guy is extremely dangerous to American values. And by the way, the reason this has consequences around the world, and let me tell your audience how important this is. If, if, we make, if we allow that man to win this election, the home of Tombstone, okay, we're talking the Wild West, tells the world that we're ready to negotiate on our gun rights, and we are not willing to negotiate on our gun rights. So, um, I had to step in because I couldn't stand to lose that C. I couldn't stand to watch it. Absolutely. And, you know, you made a, a statement about you promised yourself when your mom was running and all of that that you'd never be a politician. I don't want you to be a politician. If you win, I want you to please be a public servant. That is what we need more of. Yeah, we can't afford any more politicians. We can't afford any more individuals that are there for a career uh, those days are gone. We're at the edge of a cliff. We need real outsiders, real conservative outsiders to step in. Absolutely. Dan looks like he's trying to get a word in here. And I do. Good luck. I mean, <laughs> Daniel, I'm, I'm looking at your, your flyer here, and there's some things on here that are really important to me. No red flag laws, mm -hmm. limited government, mm -hmm. the wall, pro-life beginning at conception, states' rights, and dismantling the Federal Department of Education. You got me in all those. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So the beauty is, is that uh, we have the secret sauce in our Constitution. It, it's, this, isn't a hard, uh, this isn't a hard conversation. Uh, we just got to get back to American secret sauce, which is outlined in our Constitution. Limited government, less government, uh, more individual rights. Well, and it's such a thick document, right? Like you can see, you know, all 49 pages of the one I'm holding in my hand, how it's so hard for people to spend the hour to read it. It's, I mean, come on, people. Read the Constitution so you're not waiting for politicians, not public servants, to interpret it for you. 
because they're going to misinterpret it to their advantage every time. Um, so one of your platforms, thankfully, is to protect and defend our Second Amendment, which is found in our Bill of Rights, which is found in our Constitution, and is the firewall against what the government can do to our personal lives. But unfortunately, there are politicians that are running on the idea of shredding our founding documents. What are some of the specific issues that you can positively impact if elected? Well, I think a lot of what we need um, is a culture. We have a culture problem, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've, we've now come over uh, for the last, for my lifetime, I'm 35 years old. For my entire life, we've watched people allow the culture of our society to be a big government. Um, people have become more submissive to a big government. We need to figure out ways to elect people that are going to empower people rather than trying to increase their power, actually relinquish power. We need individuals that are willing to, when they get to DC, be a wrecking ball and clog the arteries of Congress because what they're doing is, is when people, when politicians are touting that they're passing more laws and they're passing, uh, and they're uh, creating more agencies, what that really means is, is they're stripping us away of more of our freedom. And we've got to change the vernacular. We've got to change the understanding. So I think it's a cultural thing where we need to elect servants, like you said, not politicians. Uh, so the first thing I would love to do is, is just bring a, and restore a, uh, a new bar for a federal senator where you guys look back in Arizona and you say, we don't have a good senator. We have the best senator in, in there. We have the best senator in the United States. Um, that's a Barry Goldwater type standard that was created here. And I, I hope to restore that. So the very first thing I want to do is, is mobilize people around a culture change uh, that a senator can do. The second thing is, is we need to push back uh, vigorously against this communist agenda that is now surfacing. We're watching it now, and, and, and frankly, as scary as it is for a lot of people, for me, it's actually good because we're actually watching this now come to the surface. And once Americans know the problem and the war that we're in, we'll fight that war, we'll win that war. The problem is, is that they've done such a good job. And when I say they, I mean the communist left, the radical left. They've done such a good job of uh, incognito, of, of you know, concealing what their true agenda is. And they've done it for so long. And what that's called is death by a thousand cuts. So you just slowly chip away. And uh, in other societies, other countries have dealt with what we're actually going through. Argentina, uh, Venezuela. Uh, this blueprint that we're going through right now, it's a systematic attack on America from within. So the second thing I hope to be able to do is, is educate and mobilize Arizonans and hopefully other parts of our country to realize that we are in a war. Uh, this war is a vicious attack on our principles and on our constitution. And um, so those things seem like kind of warm and fuzzies, but they're actually most important because you can't you, you can't get change in D.C. unless you mobilize people and get pe a lot of people behind you. And that's why, by the way, your audience is probably hearing about me like this, a word-of-mouth campaign. This is a grassroots campaign. The only way we can actually beat the machine is by rolling up our sleeves and having these tens of thousands of conversations around Arizona to say, hey, this is real. Uh, we are taking back our government. That's what's going on here. And it's okay. This is, uh, this is an authentic candidacy. It's, I, I have no agenda. I'm not, by the way, I won't take the pay for a senator's job. I, I think the president did a remarkable uh, standard by, by not taking the compensation. We will not accept the compensation to be your senator. This is a labor of love. Uh, we love our state. We love our country. And, and we just want to do whatever we can to, to fight back. That's fantastic. Um, so this show, our show, we've tried really hard over the years to stay you know, very middle ground. Our whole purpose is to try to reach people who are undecided about our guns good, our guns bad, you know, um, you know, they're really truly curious and trying to um, decide where they fall on this whole spectrum, uh, politically or otherwise. Um, and you know, we, we use the Constitution as our, our grounding post. You know, it's like if we start straying too far one way or too far another way, we, you know, I remind myself, I go back to the Constitution and I say, you know, how, how do I frame each conversation? How do I um, bring each guest on and keep it 
in this middle space, because this is for everyone. Yes. But this particular election, you know, I thought the last big national election uh, was, you know, kind of the end all be all of, of dividing people on terms of, well, if you think that the second amendment, your ability to protect your, you know, keep and bear arms and protect your life. If, if you think that that's good, then you automatically have to fall in the Republican category. And if you think that guns are ridiculous, then you automatically fall in the democratic category. We are so far beyond where we were last time. I mean, that divide is, and so it's harder and harder and harder for me to bring the conversation into this, this middle space because the other side, the Democrats themselves, I mean, they've made a whole, every one of their presidential candidates stood up on stage and tried to out unconstitutional each other. And so I just want to say all that because if I have listeners out there that are like, wait, what is this? Why do we have this, this, cons- you know, this uh, conservative candidate taking up airtime? Look, people, you know, this is where we are. If you want to protect your rights, you can't sit on a fence anymore. The fence moved all the way out from under you. Yeah, right. I want to I want to bring some light on that because I think what you just said is so important. If if we can somehow reframe the conversation, it's no longer Republican versus Democrat. And the reason I say that is because our governor here in Arizona was pushing for red flag laws in Arizona. Thank you. Um, you know my my competition for the republican ballot she's voted on gun control measures she's she's also uh, indicated she wants the governor's red flag laws she agrees with them so the problem that we're dealing with is it's no longer republicans and democrats it's conservative nationalist versus communist leftist and that's unfortunate i don't want to create that clear of a divide but I promise you folks, if you're part of the Democrat party at this point, this is not the JFK party anymore. This isn't the party of, of JFK. This is a completely different animal that's been hijacked by the most po- dangerous political philosophy in the world's history of communism. It's so true. And really that leans right into the next question. Um, and Dan, if you really want to get a word in here, Ed, no, I'm, I'm, gonna... <laughs> I'm learning so much. I, you guys are doing a great job with this. So keep it up. But I, I, I will just say that it, it is the choice between being free or being a communist. Yep. It's, it's what it's come to. And they're not afraid to say it. That's the thing that bothers me. I came, you know, I've been here all, you know, since 19, 1955 you've been here since well, that's when you were born right sound like but, it came from somewhere but the, <laughs> the, the point i'm trying to say is that i remember in the 60s that if you said communist stuff they would you disappear i mean you would <laughs> not and, like secret police but people you it was just that socially right unacceptable. you didn't talk about it and and now we see that all you know i'm a communist they're, they're not saying the word communist but they're given the full description of it. Well, socialist. Yeah. socialist sounds more socialist, fuzzy somehow. Yeah. It doesn't to me because I know our world history, but uh, you know, they kind of creep in with that. Well, oh yeah. It's but it's social. scary. It's for well, it is scary, it, but you know what? God has a sense of humor. My last name is McCarthy. My middle name is Joseph. <laughs> so uh, it's, you know, things have a weird way of going full circle. That is but, I mean, the thing that confuses me, that every politician has to uh, do the oath that they're going to save our Constitution, or they're going to, you know, protect, protect our Constitution. Yeah. And it's like, do they still do that because they're not following it? No. No. They're not. No. And unfortunately, even a fragment of our police, a fragment of our law enforcement community um, is not understanding they took an oath to defend all enemies, foreign and domestic. And I think it's time that we start identifying what that actually means. How do we see, what does it mean if someone is a domestic threat on our constitution? Well, what it means is if they're, if they are conspiring to dismantle our way of life, that's a domestic threat. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's important that we start taking offense rather than defense. Um, Because if we don't, again, they're playing offense all the time. I promise you when this, when this shutdown happened with the coronavirus, Kirsten Cinema, who says, oh, she's so independent and she's so this and that. She was lobbying to keep these shutdowns going because they're diehards. It's their religion. So I hope control. I hope people they're, wake up. Their, their religion is control. That's right. They they're, want to control their, their citizens. Yeah. 
Um, so back to, back to my question, I interrupted my own self on. Um, so too often we are frustrated, we citizens, with the actions of our elected officials and this rally cry goes up to vote them out, right? Those terrible people that somehow landed in that chair that I somehow have no idea how this possibly happened. Oh, maybe I didn't pay attention last time and I either voted for them or didn't vote at all, right? Yep. But if we citizens are simply proactive and voted in pro-freedom, pro-Second Amendment candidates in the first place, we could avoid a lot of pain. How do we get pro-constitutional candidates elected to office? I mean, we'll talk about Arizona because that's where we're both sitting, but anywhere like how do we pay attention how do candidates get their voice heard like what can you offer us in that question you know that's that's part of the reason why i finally just conceded and became a candidate because it's so painstaking it's it's such a uh, sacrifice to put on somebody because there are so many nights that no one will ever know uh where i've removed myself from my family or i've i've you know i've and that's, I'm not saying that for a violin, okay? The reason I'm bringing that up is because on top of that, the consolation prize is, is you just get brutalized. So the press, Arizona Republic has literally mobilized against me. They have ran hit piece after hit piece. There's, I mean, I don't know how many hit pieces they ran, but it's been a lot. And what they do is, is they systematically use the propaganda arm or the media. It's really all propaganda arm. So we're, we have the card stacked against us. The only thing that we have is the numbers, the, the majority of people. We actually have the majority. So you've got you've to basically find a way to uh, communicate with candidates, good candidates that are out there that will never run for office. We've got to figure a way to encourage them and inspire them to do that. I think President Trump did that. I, I was inspired in 2016, not because I love everything about President Trump, I, I love the fact that he broke the mold and he disrupted Washington, D.C. That, that said to me, hey, I can do that. So I hope that I show that you can do this. It, it, we just, we got to work together. We got to put our egos aside. Uh, conservatives have a tendency to kind of Achille, kill our own and, and rip each other apart. Um, and I think there's a need for that at times because when you've got bad apples, like a Martha, for example, who's really a Democrat. I mean, I'm not saying this. I'm just telling you, your audience, look at her voting record. I could go through, I could rattle off so many things that she voted on that you would say that's a liberal voting. But so you're referring to Martha McSally. I am. Yeah. So because not yeah. everybody would know auto Sorry, automatically. Yeah. That's okay. I, Martha, just clarify. Yeah. Martha, the, I call her Martha McSilent, by the way, that's a whole different story. But uh, so, so Mar Martha and I, um, it's hard because the cards are stacked against you because she has a whole RNC apparatus to come down on you. So to get an outsider in, it takes so much work, so much faith, because a lot of people like you, Cheryl, let's face it, you've been disappointed because in the past you may have supported what you thought was an outside candidate. And what did they do? They get to DC and they, and they fail. So um, we just have to have a renewed sense of, of optimism every election cycle. We've got to band together. I hope we get stronger this election cycle. Uh, my, my group of people, we've networked together now, frankly, the most conservative network in the state. Uh, so it, hopefully candidates that come through Arizona after me will have an easier time getting to these positions because hopefully we've kind of plowed the fields a little bit too, uh, where we can separate the good from the bad. Daniel, it, there's a lot, you know, Trump is doing a lot of good to this country and he's not being recognized because he is different and he is fighting the the normal ways. And so there's a lot of people against him and they're going to be against you too. And you need to be strong. But I just want to tell you, you mentioned Arizona Republic. What is that? <laughs> what is that? Is that the stuff that used to line bird cages? That's, that's pretty much why I, I don't lose sleep over it. As a matter right. of fact, we're, we're, we're winning this war, you guys. We're not going to lose this war. Our better days are ahead as Americans. Uh, we're, it's going to get a little worse before it gets better. That's just, that's normal. And, and we're going to, we're prepared. And every day we're getting stronger. Our movement is getting stronger. Yeah. Well, and that is an encouragement to other people out there who are, you know, just living their life. They're just citizens. They're just entrepreneurs like you. Paul Gosar is, is one of my favorite examples of he's a dentist, right? He's just doing his dentist thing. And then he finally said, I can't not do this. I can't not try to serve 
uh, Arizona by running for office. And, um, and he is, he is so, uh, such an example of, you know, you can fight through the muck, you can get elected, and you can affect positive change. And I, I give such credit to people like yourself, Daniel, that, um, you know, it is so disruptive to your life. Like you said, just like you're putting yourself willingly in a wood chipper, uh, your reputation, your family's energy, uh, everything has to go into this if you're going to have even a sliver of a chance of, of being elected so that you can affect positive change. I mean, the swimming upstream, not even a, a, an appropriate metaphor because I think you're, you're swimming into a wood chipper. <laughs> Yeah, fortunately for me is I was so prepared. I came into the decision so eyes wide open. Um, we're we're systems people. We're strategists by at heart. So the nice thing is is we kind of walked into it knowing that it was going to be just a daily grind. I mean, we started running the race like most people finish running the race, and we just started going to work. And uh, it's going to pay off. I I mean, I'm expecting it to. But regardless of what happens. We are going to fight every single day for the rest of our lives now because we know the war that we're in. And once you're exposed to it, you really understand how deep it is. I think it becomes an obligation and a responsibility for Americans to, to step up, protect our way of life, uh, because it's under attack. It just is. So um, we talked a little bit about the, the newspaper, which, again, is a fading thing um, in our nation and in our state. Um, and so really where we're seeing people, candidates try to share their message is like way too many. It's way too many political ads that come on the television. Um, but, you know, they're everywhere. They're in my social media. They're on the, the TV. Um, but then we are also hearing that conservatives, the, our ideas, I'll put myself in the conservative category, they get suppressed on social media. I don't know how TV stations treat um, the, the ads that come from conservatives, like, do they, do they make it more expensive maybe? And so they suppress them in that way. Do they say, Oh, nope, all our time is booked. I mean, what are the secrets of the trade as far as that goes as has been your experience? It is so, it is so dirty. I mean, whatever you think it is, multiply it by a big number and it's, it's worse. Okay. Mm. It's uh, the, the sophistication behind how they control and suppress the conservative movement, which by the way, you said something about uh, being left, you know, or being right of center type of thing. The, the amazing part about Americans is, is overwhelmingly, the majority of us feel the same way. That's what's beautiful. But somehow, if you were to watch everything, you would think that there's this huge population of people that disagree with us. Um, it's really not the case. The reason, that's all by design. So. Everything that you see on the news is fake. Uh, and when, I, when the president said fake news, you know, he couldn't oversay that because legitimately all the news that you are witnessing is there to fit an agenda for you to move down the road that they want you to move down. So it's, there are uh, 200 or 300 and some uh, police killings a year. Okay, police, there are, law, there are uh, police officers that are killed every year to a, a number that's very sad, okay? Last night, for example, uh, a son of a fallen officer was here at my home. Um, this is, um, you never hear about that in the narrative. Um, you, you don't hear about how much brutality police go through. And by the way, you don't hear about the brutality that happens that is, um, frankly, against all races, all creeds. The reason you don't is because it doesn't spill into the agenda that they're trying to fill. So. I, I would warn everybody to, anytime you see anything, always play devil's advocate. Always think, what, is the, what are they really trying to do when they're saying this? Why am I seeing this information? As far as uh, candidates go, oh my goodness, I am completely ostracized. Uh, in, specifically in Maricopa County, I have a complete, what's called, it's called a Mitch McConnell blackout. So, yeah, it's, it's really, it's, no, it's truly amazing. Like, People are actually afraid to cover me or talk about me. They won't even say my name because the repercussions from Mitch McConnell and the center, Senate leadership is so damaging. They will pull money from them. They will, people will lose their jobs. People will lose their livelihood. So it's, it's more brutal than you've I, – I can't get over how bad it is. And 
So it's, um, it's a fight. It's a fight every day. Well, and that's one of the uh, blessings of a show like ours is... Nobody gives us any money. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are self-funded uh, through our own uh, gun shop, AZ Firearms. So, um, yeah, and that, there's a real strength in that is we can say whatever we want to say. We can have on whoever we want to have on. And, um, you know, that, that is a beautiful thing about America still. You know, now yes. when I go put it on YouTube, I can almost guarantee you we're going to get like no plays, but I'll put it on gun streamer, which is the gun friendly version of YouTube. And that's where it'll get likes and shares and all kinds of good stuff. So we always have our work around. I love when they try to put these roadblocks in our way because we are ingenuity uh, driven, oh, right? Yeah. We're always yeah. looking for the problem that yeah. needs to be gotten over, around, under, or through. So, Daniel, it's it's a shame that the it seems like the media is wanting to divide the United States. Correct. You know, yeah. it it really does, and I know that there's some big issues with with all races, and uh, but it's terrible because they're 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 it, like they're putting the white against the black right now. It seems to be their main agenda right now, and well, it's a and shame. That has always been a head scratcher for me because when people uh, are like, well, so what are, what are you? Which is a weird question for me anyway. Yeah, yeah. I was always like, I am a pound puppy. Okay. I am like a little bit of everything because who knows, you know, I, I don't know who my great grandfather was. And so, you know, why, why would I ever think in terms of, you know, there's something about me that's superior to Know somebody else based on the amount of melanin in their skin. It's just, it's crazy to me that people have bought into it in the way that they have, especially, especially, I was an 80s kid. I graduated in 1984. Okay. And in that time frame, I mean, it, that's when we were singing We Are the World. That's when we okay. were singing Ebony and Ivory. Our children, my daughter who's 30 now, our kids, the millennials, were set to be the most accepting um you know over the whole idea of you know a race war breaking out like that should never be the case right now and and the fact that we are still scratching those itches and that we haven't evolved from there is uh an indicator to me that there is definitely like someone poking a poking a stick at it rather than something that would just naturally have come about yeah it's it's not 19, you know, fifties. It's, this is, you're talking about an era where I grew up, my best friend um, was a, a black kid that we hung out from the time I was, I mean, hell, we, we ran the streets together forever. And the, I remember going into his home with his mother and his mother loving me. And oh my gosh, she cherished me. And I loved his mother and his mother and I had this just kinship and uh, she, she was so proud of her son being with me because um, she knew that her son maybe had a little bit more uh, protection because because mm. she would you know she would think to herself hey if this if this white kid but me and my buddy we would walk out of the house and we would laugh at her like yeah right you know like, <laughs> it's not, that's not how the world works anymore and uh, the reason I say that is because they, they want to divide us mm. and uh, we don't get, listen. I I know that there's an element to every like there's an there's a racist ele, element in the United States no doubt about sure, it I'm not denying sure. it. It, it, it it exists it, there's bad apples in every bunch okay but overwhelmingly uh, this is a loving culture we love everybody we want everyone to have the most prosperous we want the most wealth for everybody right. I, I don't care what you are if you're American if you're on American soil soil we are brothers and sisters that is it uh, right. so I. I don't know. I, I think that narrative is, I think it's frankly just overplayed. It's everybody's done with it. It's, it's like, come on. It, I wish I they know. would be done. With they it. do. But I, every, every word you say, they, they say you're racist or, you know, we have a gun shop. If, if I can't sell a gun to somebody cause they were denied, they'll say I'm racist or, you know, it, it's terrible. And it's, it's unfair because that's not how I think, but you know, my, my family, might have been a little on the other side back in the day, but we grew up to be kind to everyone, like you said. And um, we've learned we've from learned. the past right. mistakes. And I, I think yeah. we all need to continue to do that. 
Um, so we, we've talked a little bit about your, uh, your opponents in, in this race. We've got uh, Mark Kelly, tries to be an independent, really he's very, very left-leaning, whichever progressive, maybe. I'm not sure on that I spectrum. Left, I, I think he left some of his stuff in outer space. <laughs> yes, he needs to go back to space. And uh, your conservative opponent for the seat is Martha McSally. Now, she has the Arizona GOP backing, I believe, or, or the RNC backing, and we can make a distinction between what those two um, entities are. How much of a challenge is that for your campaign, because if you know, we should kind of all be in this together and looking for the best choice, not just somebody that's been knighted for for whatever reason or has had a longer career, right? This is yeah. This has been the most disappointing part of the process for me. Um, the Arizona GOP, the, the the Republican Party, is actually a front group for the Democrats. A lot of people don't understand that they they don't realize that for the last twenty years. They, the Republican Party has been infiltrated at the highest levels. So you may say, well, Daniel, that sounds kind of conspiratorial. Well, let me explain to you from my perspective. Uh, this is a special election. So Martha actually didn't win this seat. No one won this seat. John McCain uh, died. And then once John McCain died, our governor here appointed John Kyle, our previous senator, who, by the way, is now a lobbyist in Washington, D.C., one of the highest paid lobbyists. He appointed John Kyle to the seat. Well, then after the first of the year, John Kyle stepped down, and then Martha was appointed, who was the one that just lost. Now, why on God's green earth would you appoint someone that got less votes than the mine inspector, okay? She got less votes than every Republican made on the, on the ticket. She literally was rejected by the conservatives of our state, and the reason why is, Cheryl, is because everyone knows that she's really a liberal because of her voting record. Now, I, I've got nothing against Martha. I just have something against the fact she's concealing who she really is. Hmm. So where I'm most bothered and what bothers me the most is the party that I have dedicated a lot of my life towards. I've, I've actually gone out and physically knocked on doors. I mean, this is something, every election cycle, I'm an activist, I get involved. Uh, I donate big dollars. I can tell you that um, it was extremely, extremely disappointing when the chairwoman of our party has actually been sab sabotaging my campaign. She's actually personally attacked me. She's personally going after our campaign. It's like, you know, this is, they're completely coming out of the woodworks now. I mean, so it's, yeah, it's very unfortunate. It's an uphill battle to say the least uh, within our very own party. There's, there's no fairness. It's, they have incumbents. Mitch McConnell directs those incumbents because he's the leader of the Senate. He does not care, by the way, if he's the leader of a majority or a minority. He just cares that he's the leader. Uh, so we have a big problem. Uh, and I mean, seriously, it's a systemic problem. And it's all coming to a head in this Senate race. This primary is very important. The primary is August 4th. Uh, so if I win this primary, what will happen is we will have so much momentum. The grassroots will have so much momentum. We'll have such a consolidation of the base around Arizona that it doesn't matter how much Bloomberg money he has, we will literally decimate him and we will decimate the Democrat Party. It'll take them years to recover after we're done with them in November. Uh, so uh, it's a great opportunity, frankly. I mean, every, every problem has a silver lining, as you know. Uh, so I, I, I hope to fill that vacuum for you guys. That's awesome. So you would probably categorize yourself as, as a disruptor of, of the norm, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's my... We've done it in business many times, and I look forward to doing it here in politics. And we will, you guys are going to be so proud. At the bar we will set, you guys are going to look back and say, that's Daniel McCarthy. We're the best senator in the country. Uh, it's, it, you guys are going to be very proud. I love that. Okay, so uh, we are sitting in the studio on Monday, June 1st, 2020. So when you say that the next election is on August 4th, you're talking August 4th, 2020, because, you know, these things get, these yep. shows get played years later. Um, and, uh, so people need to be aware. They need to be educated. They need to know who they're voting for, uh, what they're voting for. And then I think the, the real kicker is, and you, you must know this from the inside because you said you've been an activist, you've been involved, uh, in supporting candidates is once somebody is in office, whoever that is, whether they are, uh, Kristen Sinema, who has worn every political 
title I think there is over the course of the years, or whether it's, uh, you know, whoever is your representative, you, they have to hear from you. Yeah. you. We citizens can only be represented by our representatives if we interact with them and let them know what it is that's important to us and how we want them to vote on this bill or that bill. Um, and so just as we start to wrap up real quick, Daniel, what would you say um, to, to two listeners out there? And it could be the same person. The person that is saying, gosh, I've really been kind of thinking about running, but I'm so scared because it is a wood chipper. And the person who's saying, well, I don't, I mean, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to pick up the phone and say something to a representative? Like, I don't know what to say. Like, yeah. How do we reach out to our representatives? Yeah, this is really simple. The first one is for people that are actually want to potentially run for office. Um, I would strongly suggest that you become a precinct committee member for your precinct. Uh, this is something that a lot of people don't understand, but there's an infrastructure in place to plug into uh, as someone that wants to be involved with politics. And by becoming a PC or a precinct committeeman, what you're doing is, is you're taking the very first step to making yourself count a lot more than just a voter, okay? Because be by becoming a PC, I've been a PC uh, for about 10 years in Arizona in the Republican Party. It's not, it doesn't, it's not time consuming. They meet one time a month in your, in your uh, legislative district. Um, by becoming a PC, what it does is, is it puts you in a position where you're going to hear from these politicians and you're going to have access to them a lot more frequently because the politicians, they go to the PC meetings to, to talk to the grassroots people. So you want to plug into that quickly. Every state in the country has uh, infrastructure for the Republican Party or the Democrat Party, for that matter, to plug into so you can effectively uh, vote for the delegates that vote for the president. You vote for who the chairwoman or chairman is for the party at the state level. So you have more influence as a PC. Let me tell you how scary this is, Cheryl. In Arizona right now, there are there is about a 60% uh, vacancy for uh, PC slots. And it's, it's been that way since I've been running. And the reason that is, is because so many people become PCs and then they immediately fall out because they say, oh my gosh, it's way, it's way too corrupt. It's, I don't want any part of that. So my second to that is, is don't give up uh, just because when you get in, it seems like it's bad. It is bad. We need a lot more people to get in. Uh, that way we can take back the party. So if you're independent out there because you're disenfranchised or you're disheartened, I would suggest that you try to fix the problem from within uh, because that's the best way of handling a problem is, is eradicating the bad actors. And we have a lot of them. Uh, so that's step number one. And, and number two, my, my other suggestion is, is that, uh, it's time for Americans to educate themselves on civics. Um, pick up the Constitution and start reading. Get involved with, um, you know, there are so many books out there that have pointed to the problems that are to come. And it's time to pick those books up and, and become educated on, on the threat, the real threat that we're dealing with. Americans right now, uh, by the way, purposely, um, this has been systematic. We are dumbed down. Um, we have, our education system has been purposely um, watered down so Americans are not aware of very basic civics. Like for example, the Constitution is not our rights. It just outlines our God-given natural rights that we have. Uh, no government can tell Americans of our rights. It's, they're actually granted to us by our creator. And these are things that you need to know because for a long time, Americans have been saying, oh, yeah, uh, we need to have uh, this politician pass a law so we're protected. No, 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 that's not how it works. Um, we are actually protected by our creator. And um, so it's, it's little things like that that we need to just inform people. Americans are smart people. We just need to inform people quickly. So I would strongly suggest to get educated and then become educators, uh, like what you're doing here. I mean, these, are, like, these shows are so important because your audience – who knows how big your audience is, right? You have, I mean, Cheryl, you're, you're famous in Arizona. Everybody I talk to says, you have to talk to Cheryl. Everyone knows about the polka dots. Everyone knows uh, that I have to talk to you. So um, it's a great pleasure for me to say to your audience, I hope I can motivate them. At least it'd be worth it if I can motivate one person to say, 
just plug in and get involved. Again, that's precinct committeemen uh, or PC for the Republican Party. Everybody can do it. Absolutely. That's amazing. And then uh, reaching out to the people once they are elected, um, how important that is. Okay, so you have to put overwhelming pressure on your politicians. Uh, the way to do that is politicians look at an email. If you send an email to a politician, they figure that about 100 or to 1,000 people feel the same way that you do. So imagine for a second, if you get 100 people to email a politician, they're looking at that and saying, oh my goodness, this is potentially you know, thousands and thousands of people that feel this way. So people think that one email doesn't change anything, but it does. Uh, one phone call changes something because that pressure, that political pressure, the things that politicians fear the most, I'll tell you what they are. They fear for their lives. I'm, I'm telling you right now, and I'm, I'm saying this to you uh, very candidly, you become very sensitive, and I can say this from coming from the other side, okay? Um, you become very sensitive because there are a lot of threats that come your way. Uh, so you become very sensitive to that. So the reason I bring that to your attention is because politicians need to understand that if they infringe on our God-given rights, there's only so far you can do that before there will be an uprising, okay? Um, and I'm saying that to you because you will not take away Arizona's gun rights. Um, that will not happen. And it's important for us to take a language tone like that as civilians and saying to your politicians, if you vote on this, you, uh, this is something that we will mobilize against. We will fight back against. We will not take up. I'm not telling you guys to, to go out there and be vigilantes. I'm telling no. you, you know, you get my point. Yes. Um, Absolutely. Be very strong in your language. These are God-given rights. We are not losing our gun rights in Arizona. I, I, you know, a lot of us moved from uh, New York and California to get away from that mess. So, Absolutely. Well, I am always uh, touting the AZCDL and, and saying that the reason that Arizona has such, continues to have such good gun rights is because they got involved. And, and their he was from New York, right? And their founders came from New York and Chicago and you know, those places where they had already lived without their rights. And so they are very protective. And I think that's part of the apathy is that people, they just start thinking, oh, well, it's Arizona. So we're always going to be conservative and we're always going to be, you know, have our gun rights. It's like, no, people have to daily, the only thing our founders promised us was eternal vigilance. They yes. knew that it was going to constantly, the other side that hates our rights they're never taking a nap, people. Never. So. No, they are. They they, they are well funded. They are they are smart. They are well organized. And I'm telling your 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 list audience this: are almost on the seal of the United States of America. Our our country's motto was almost this: rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. Hmm. And I think it's so important to remember, people, that. We have to remember, tyrants are always trying to take control. It's been the same way through human history. We have an obligation and a responsibility to fight back. Uh, so please get involved, everybody. I, of course, my campaign is very easy to get involved with. You just go to our website and plug in, demanddaniel.com. That's fantastic. That was my next question. And uh, I grabbed one of these little guys. It's a little bit bent up and and used now because I've been <laughs> shuffling it around and waiting for our opportunity to talk. And thank you so much for uh, finding the time to talk with us today. And thank you for stepping up as a citizen and, and trying to make a difference. And I, I know that you already have made a difference because you're impacting the conversation. Um, thank you so much. I, I look forward to watching your journey and having you back on again in the future. We are so appreciative of you guys. And I, I want to say a special thanks to Dan because I think Dan deserves most of the credit for Cheryl. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. So you I know just want to say after all that, yeah, my, my kudos are to Dan and then secondarily to Cheryl. Thank, Thank you. you. You know, I <laughs> think you can truth. see within, you're right. But she's, she's got the art of voice and yeah. I got the... I, I, I don't know what I have, but uh, no, I appreciate that. It's got everything you know, else. But Daniel, I really, you know, uh, I really appreciate what you're doing. Um, I wish all politicians, or not politicians, uh, public, servants. public servants were as, uh, as passionate as you are about this. 
it just we just need to keep the constitution true that's that's it you know absolutely so but thank you very much no problem you guys will be proud thank you guys you're awesome and thank you for thanking my guy he's <laughs> he really is uh the backbone of of everything we do so thanks so much bye daniel bye, -bye. see you later or right, earlier in our conversation i heard you say that uh you know, we voted these people in. The pe people voted some of these people in. Mm -hmm. And and you're right. They did vote them in. But, you know, things have changed. So think back. Go back in time, maybe 10 years. Okay. Politicians didn't tell the truth differently than they're not telling the truth now. Back then, they would lie and say they believe in all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so we would vote for them, and then we'd find out they lied. Mm -hmm. Politicians today, here's where it's going to be easy for us. If you just listen to a politician, you can see the lies. You can hear them lie. They're telling you they want to be socialists without telling you that they want to be socialists. Yeah, but the sad thing is there's people out there that are doing the, ha yes, me too. I want to be socialist too. Do they know what socialism is? They don't. No. And they don't. But, you know, if Not you really. don't, anybody. Because it's all packaged democratic you know what? socialism is something special we have that we a haven't live, tried yet no we have a live test version all you need to do is look at the venezuela venezuelan <laughs> venezuela well, i can't say the you know that <laughs> other country venezuelan just go look at that that was cute yeah, i yeah. like how you say yeah that. just well it's hard for me to say things socialist things socialist <laughs> things but i mean if you look at their history of them uh 20 years 10 15 years ago yeah they their gas was a quarter, they um, a quarter gallon, and they really were a strong, strong government. I mean, strong people. Now the government's taking full control of them, and they're dying and they're hungry, mm -hmm. and we're seeing that. So just use that. Do you want America to be like that? That's a that's an important question. We have got to blast out of here. Um, thank you so much to our awesome guests. Thank you to uh, citizen, citizens who step up into the wood chipper of politics. Um, thank you to Daniel McCarthy, our, our guest today. Um, and um, honestly, pray for this nation. Pray, please get involved in, in even so much as praying. Uh, pray for our leaders, our representatives. I'll pray for our representatives. I will pray for the representatives. Even the ones you don't like? Well, those are politicians. That's not a representative. Well, especially the ones you don't like. Be good to each other. Have a great week.